Welcome to Fast Break, presented by M3 Elevate. I'm Matt Cranny. I'm happy to be here, and I'm glad you could join us. In this episode, and in every episode, we talk offensive and defensive business strategies with some of the most successful and insightful small business leaders. So if you're looking for great conversation and new ways to grow and protect your company, you're in the right place. Our conversation this month is with Joe Hamilton, the CEO of Vortex Optics. And because Joe had so much to say that we think is crucial to small and growing business owners, we've decided to break up the conversation into two episodes. Coming up is part one, and part two will release next time. So make sure to subscribe and don't miss a minute of Fast Break. Here's part one of my conversation with Joe. There's no such thing as a small business. Every business is monumental for the people who lead and depend on it. At M3 Elevate, we have hundreds of policies, but only one mindset. Fuel your growth. Joe Hamilton is the CEO of Vortex Optics. Since 1986, they have been and remain an American-owned, veteran-owned, family-owned and operated business of hard-working folks headquartered next to Barneveld, Wisconsin. The Hamilton family, starting with Dan and Margie, and followed by their sons Joe, Dave, Sam, and Jimmy, founded Vortex to change how business is done by putting customers at the center of everything they do. From tagging your first whitetail, to hitting the range with your friends, to using the right optic to get closer to the outdoors in your family, their team thrives on serving their customers and on their success. Now over 300 American team members strong, they work diligently to give you the best optics, apparel, and service in any industry, all delivered with a legendary VIP warranty. Their unlimited lifetime promise that if a client ever has a problem, they have their back. Joe, welcome to the Fast Break. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Awesome. Joe, let's get started. On on the fast break, we'd love to learn from awesome business owners who are doing the rewarding, terrifying, and critical work of growing their business and impacting their community. So tell us all about your business, Vortex Optics. Yeah, for sure. So Vortex Optics, so we specialize mainly in sport optics. We are in uh, apparel and a few other categories, but sport optics is really where we, we, we make, our, uh, make our hay, if you will. And so that would be rifle scopes, binoculars, spotting scopes, red dots, tripods, and pretty much every accessory that's associated with those products. So we sell those to retailers like Bass Pro, Cabela's, and then your small uh, kind of mom and pop shops around the country and around the world. Uh, we also service military and law enforcement. And so we're really heavily focused into the hunting, shooting, and military and law enforcement markets. Um, we love those uh, those markets, those industries, those customers. Um, our team members are those customers. And so that's just a little bit of background as to who we are and what we kind of specialize in. That's awesome. Joe, tell us a little bit about how how did the business start? Yeah. Uh, so if the, obviously it's a, a family-owned business, something that's really close to you and, and, and your family. But give us a little bit of the origin story of how how you got to now. Yeah, I'll try to do keep a little bit of cliff notes. But um, so uh, my dad was actually a dentist back in the in in the eighties, seventies, and eighties, and he really discovered that he did not like being a dentist. Okay, he was, he was good <laughs> at it, but he didn't like looking in people's mouths all day. He didn't like the fact that people didn't like going to the dentist. 
And so, um, and it was a very stressful job. And so one of the things that he and my mom did was that they, you know, fed uh, the birds. And so they would free in the backyard and they would go on, you know, these hikes and nature walks and things like that. And so one of the things that they would do is they would frequent a Wild Birds Unlimited store that was close by. There's only a few in the country at the time. And kind of my dad, you know, now looking back on it, the consummate entrepreneur, he was sort of like, I think I can do that. And so he actually sold his practice at the time. He had three young boys would have another fourth one a couple years later. And as they like to joke, um, they uh, moved in a covered wagon up from Indiana uh, up to Wisconsin because that was the area where there wasn't a Wild Birds Unlimited store. But very quickly, one of the things that he found was that a lot of those customers were very interested in watching the birds or watching wildlife. And they wanted uh, to use binoculars. And back then, nobody in the franchise for Wild Birds Unlimited was selling binoculars. So he kind of took it upon himself to, to do that. One of the things that he discovered was it was going to be very difficult for just his small Wild Birds Unlimited to, to get to have the money to, have, to do the buy-in of those products, let alone inventory those products, or even have the demand to sell all those products just in his one store in Middleton. And so actually, he created a mail order company at the time. There's no internet at the time which uh, hopefully the listeners, some listeners can relate to that, that. but um, he started a mail order company called Eagle Optics. And so he started to sell a bunch of different brands through Eagle Optics via mail order. And if you fast forward a few more years, he started to get into creating his own Eagle Optics brand, which he then wholesaled to Wild Birds Unlimited. And then in 2002, he had been wholesaling a while to Wild Birds Unlimited and having the background of being a retailer, he really understood all the frustrations retailers went through dealing with uh, other sport optics brands. And that's when we started Vortex and we started to take Vortex beyond just uh, the birding uh, industry and just beyond just the Wild Birds Limited franchises. And we started to branch out and sell to the hunting and shooting market and so on and so forth. And then actually a lot of people on our staff were hunters and shooters and they were very passionate about that. And so it just kind of naturally, it was still within the kind of the outdoor nature wildlife space but it was sort of a natural progression to move more and more into that direction so that that there's a lot more there but that's kind of the cliff note version of just one thing it was kind of a a series of pivots what an amazing story from an entrepreneurial standpoint to go from a mail order business seeing the need uh and moving towards it and as uh he moved towards the need he got closer and closer to the problem and as you get closer and closer to the problem, I think you're then able to perceive and understand right. all the different facets of it and to be able yeah. to turn it into what it's become now. What yeah. an amazing, amazing story. When we first got into wholesaling products, we would call up a retailer and say, hey, how are things selling? And they'd say, well, good. Um, I don't need a case pack of your product. I really only need the one. So unfortunately, I can't place an order right now. Well, in retail, you're only selling one or two at a time. So we'd right. say, hey, you only need one. I'll just ship you one. I'll just tell you yeah. one you can do that. You can break a case yeah. pack. Now it's pretty commonplace, but back then it wasn't. So we were doing all these things that we didn't even know you weren't supposed to do. And so that was kind of another uh, advantage as well. It's, again, another great uh, sort of reminder for our listeners, I think, Joe, is, is you know, our audience of, sort of small and growing business owners, is they're thinking about their business. First of all, being able to think about what problem they exist to solve. I I think that's a fascinating question. Um, And then second, where you find yourself, how 
what inbuilt advantages do you have with your mindset, your business model that you can use to challenge sort of the status quo that we're now starting to challenge ourselves and think about, well, we're living in an Amazon world where uh, Joe can go online and order anything he wants from the entire world and have it on his doorstep in two days. And so it, it's that sort of mindset, it sounds like, that you all as a company were able to uh, to bring and think about like, whether it was shipping one when it was a pallet before. What a cool story. I do have a, one follow-up question for you, Joe, about uh, your dad and his journey. Um, what does he think now? So when he was doing mail-order business with three small kids uh, at home and now to over 300 uh, teammates and uh, a company that's doing amazing things in their community, What's his reflections on that journey? I think it's pretty surreal for him. Um, I don't think he'd use that word, but is is he just, you know, he does sometimes say, you know, I never thought it was going to be this, you know, um, you know, this big of a business or this big of a building or this many people. I think the one thing that he did know was that if I, I he says this sometimes, you know, he's like, I was, I, I was fairly smart, but I wasn't the smartest. You know, and, and you know, and, you know, he's like, I was kind of, he said, the one area that I was really good at is I could really work hard. And I think he's good at a lot more areas than that. But I think that that's one thing that he views the business as is that it is a testament to kind of that grinding mentality that he started, but that we've got a lot of team members who also have had that and look at. So I think that's probably one of the things that he looks back really fondly, but he often remarks that, you know, he didn't see it playing this way or he'll joke with you and he'll say, yep, just how I drew it, you know, 30 plus years ago. It's so great. It's, it's so great. And, and it's, again, I, I sort of have to draw out of that the idea of sometimes I think for businesses, we get into our own heads about, you know, what are we trying to build and, and where is it going? And, and, and I think there's a value in thinking strategically and thinking long term and all those type of things. And then I think uh, there's also just the beauty in doing the next right thing. I think there's value in doing some long term planning as long as you realize you have to have a very open hand about yeah. um, about that. And for a lot of people, that can be scary. But I think if you can embrace that, then what happens is you're much more adaptive and you're able to 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 quickly adapt and adjust to the market because the market is adapting and adjusting and changing all the time. So yes. if you're too dogmatic about your five or 10 year vision, and damn the torpedoes, this is what it's going to be. I think you're going to, you're one, I think you're going to be very frustrated. <laughs> yeah. And two, yeah. I think you're probably going to be behind uh, your competitors because yeah. that's just not how the world works. And I think he was really good at understanding how the world worked, not necessarily from a academic book perspective, but from a real world perspective. Yeah. Yeah, Joe, I, I love that. And in some ways, it's connecting back to our previous uh, discussion about so the Amazonification, right, of, of, yep. of client experience. It, it's it's also the uh, added to the speed of market yeah. and uh, and the dynamics of which and the pace of which things change. And the days of, hey, we've got a 10-year plan or five-year plan or what, um, gosh, in the midst of everything that we all have going on right now, as we yep. navigate out of COVID, whether it's the great resignation, the great reset, you know, whatever this is, I think one of the things we do know is the world has changed uh, and it's not going back. And so how do we as businesses continue to be more agile, more nimble, more responsive, whether that's to our clients, uh, whether it's to our employees? Uh, I think that's a that's a huge, a hugely important point. I, 
I, I want to uh, pivot a little bit for you, Joe, and I want to talk a little yep. bit more about you. Yep. So one of the things I know uh, for our audience with our small and growing business audience is some family-owned businesses and some second-generation, some third-generation businesses. Um, talk a little bit, if you would, about your journey uh, yep. within Vortex. So yep. obviously, as you were growing up, you saw your dad and your mom grinding to grow the business and all those type of things. But uh, walk us through, you know, what was... Uh, your hopes and dreams? Was it was it always your vision to be involved in the business? Was yeah. it the last thing you ever want? Right. I'm super curious to dive in there. Yeah. Well, when I was a lot younger and growing up, I mean, my vision was I was going to be a professional athlete or I was going to be an astronaut or I was going to be an archaeologist like Indiana Jones. And none of those things surprisingly <laughs> worked out. So, sure. um, but no, I think growing up in our family business. So uh, first of all, I think our parents did a couple things really well is a lot of times you just got brought to the business because you know you weren't old enough to be by yourself and and so you you, you tagged along to the business and you know really like in the early years we probably played around the business more than anything but very quickly yeah. they found a lot of jobs for us to do so we did a lot of jobs and i really worked off and on all throughout uh, as a kid you know um i think when you're the the owner's kids i think those age laws don't apply um, but, uh, but the cool thing was, was that, you know, once I got, got 14, I wanted to, I, I wanted to get a job. A lot of my friends were, had a job at this local restaurant and they were busting tables. And so I bust tables. And the cool thing was my parents were never like, you can't bust tables there. You got to work at the store. So there was a couple times where you would be needed, like unloading a seed truck on a Saturday or, or, a, or, a, um, a bird bath truck, which, you know, those are very heavy. But outside of that, it was like, if you, if you wanted to do something productive, like be involved with sports or or get a job at another place, my parents really supported it. And so I did that. And actually for the longest time, it's classic. You say, you know, I'm never going to do something and that's the thing you do. So I grew up so close to the business. I was like, I'm never going to be in the family business. Well, yeah. then I went to college and towards the end of college, I thought I was going to be a lawyer. I, I took some of these law classes. I was really good at uh, debate and arguing according to my professors. So naturally, I just thought everything being a lawyer was just about arguing, you know, just like on TV. And so I applied to law school and I was I was kind of getting set to go. But I something Spidey Sense went off or something. And I started to really investigate it a lot more and talk to people that were lawyers and talk to people that were in law school. And I came to find I was like, you know, I'm not ready to say I'm ready to go to law school. I don't even think this is what I want to do. So I was a little bit kind of like, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. And that was right around 2002 when my dad was starting this, this separate side of the business. So he had Wild Birds Unlimited, the retail store. He had Eagle Optics, the mail order company, and now an internet company, retailer. And he was starting this Vortex side of the business, which was going to be its own brand. It wasn't going to be a brand that was a house brand, like the Eagle Optics brand or somebody else's brand or pigeonholed to birding. It was going to be a brand that stood on its own. And so he didn't really have anybody selling or, or market helping him market that. So his, he was like, hey, I really need some help getting this going. Why don't you come over here, help me until you figure out what you really want to do. And so I kind of joke a lot with people that, you know, either I haven't figured out what I really wanted to do, or I think this is probably it. And, and so I think yeah. this is probably it for me. But yeah, I got in the business. I, I cut my teeth in sales and marketing. And we were so small. When you're a smaller business, you wear so many different hats. And I really love that. And I really loved, uh, you know, being an entrepreneur, you know, my, you know, we were trying new things and especially then like nobody knows who you are. 
So you can try all kinds of things. You know, you can launch yeah. something on Monday and you can figure out by Wednesday it was an awful idea. And Friday you can launch <laughs> the next thing. And so it was really, it was almost kind of like this business laboratory. You could try so many different yeah. things. And we were growing. We were still small, but we were growing. So there was there was a momentum. And it was just, I just really was fun. I kind of caught the bug. And I just kind of kept, I kind of kept up with that grinding mentality. And, and you know, 20 years later, kind of here we are. Wow. Wow. What a, uh, what a cool story. And again, uh, kudos to, it sounds like your, your parents from a standpoint of maintaining that, Hey, you know, we'd be thrilled if you want to be involved in the business, but we want you to find your own path and your own way to the business versus for sure. No, we're going to bring you, we're going to force you, force you. Yeah. There was no uh, guilt trips or anything like that, which I think was really good. Uh, and, and it could, it could be our decision. Yeah. Joe, I'm curious uh, before you sort of move on to the next sort of topic I have for you, but would you have any advice for any of our listeners that are uh, thinking about getting involved in family businesses or are involved in family businesses? Um, Something that you have sort of wisdom that you've picked up and learned in navigating uh, the the amazingness and probably at times the challenges of, of being in a family business. Yeah, I think, you know, hindsight's 2020. So a couple things I would just say, a couple caveats is that one of the things I think family businesses are wonderful. I think family businesses are very different. And I think family businesses are very tough. <laughs> okay. In the sense that you have multiple generations, um, there's just always more there with family, right? You have this connection that goes way back. It, 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 it It's involved in every almost facet of your life. So I would say, first off, just know that getting into it, it's going to be different. Um, it may not be different in the sense that it's if it's all you've ever known, but it's going to be different. I think what I would have done differently that would have helped and it is I probably would have just had more upfront conversations around expectations uh, for me personally, you know, and, and I don't even think we would have known the answers back then, but it would have been helped to kind of get the elephant out in the room. And for instance, like what are family get togethers going to look like? Are we going to talk business? Are we not going to talk business? You might not necessarily have this hard, fast rule, no business at family get togethers, but maybe you figure out, okay, if we're going to do, if we're at a family get together, we're going to talk business, this is how we're going to do it. Or how are you wired? Some people, uh, you know, are always business and they're always on and other people are like, no, once I leave the business, unless it's an emergency, I don't want to talk about that. So I, again, I don't think that, that I would go into it saying I have to have all of the answers to everything and be very dogmatic about it. But I think just having some of those conversations um, uh, ahead of time, and if you can get some rules of engagement in place, great. If you can't, that's fine too. Just the fact that you're talking about it. For instance, you know, um, you know, I think whoever obviously is in charge in the family business also setting the stage. Now we didn't have this in our family business, but being a family business, you get to know a lot of other family businesses. So we didn't have this problem, but other people have the problem with like a spouse who marries into the business. All of a sudden they come in the business, they think they can start calling the shots. I think to the extent that you can talk about that stuff on the front end and get those elephants in the room on the front end and just saying, hey, here's what it's going to look like, or ask if you're a second gen like me, you know, ask uh, those questions. What it's, what's it going to look like? What are your expectations? Do you want to be called dad at work? Do you want to be called Dan at work? I think talking about some of those things, and again, you don't, you know, not to put pressure that you have to have this like manifesto, you don't just get in the habit pattern of having those conversations that are awkward at times, um, I think can be really, really powerful. 
Joe, what what beautiful advice. I, I think that's really going to speak to a lot of our uh, listeners that are involved in family businesses. And uh, and so I really appreciate your vulnerability and, 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 and honesty and sharing sharing those for us. So thank you. Let's let's uh, let's turn the corner a little bit. And so, you know, one of the things, Joe, with M3 Elevate, we're built on the principle that we need to help our clients play both offense and defense, um, growth and protection. So in learning more about you and Vortex Optics, how do you balance the need to play both offense and defense with your business? Well, I really like playing offense. <laughs> so I think one of the things that I'll talk about that shortly and we'll get to the defense, but I, I would, uh, would say on the offensive end, one of the things that I think that we did is we took a lot of risks, but they were very calculated risks. And one of the things that I've noticed, again, in hindsight, we didn't necessarily go into it saying this, but in hindsight, one of the things that I think we did well is we took risks, but without betting the farm. With the extent of maybe my dad, when he went from being a dentist to Wobbers Unlimited, after that, when he started the mail order company with Eagle Optics, if that didn't work out, would it have hurt? Absolutely, it would have hurt but it wouldn't have taken the business under. And set, and then when he started to get into private label Egaloptics products and wholesaling to that Wild Birds Unlimited, if that would have blown up in his face, it would have hurt, but it wouldn't right. have taken the business under. And so then when we got to Vortex, same thing, when we introduced rifle scopes and red dots and range finders, and, and I'm just going through more product development, but we when we take yeah. risks and, are, and go on offense, they're risks. I mean, they take um, resources, people, time, money, energy, but I can't remember a time where we bet the farm on any one of right. those risks. So it was a lot. And if it blew up in our face, it would have hurt. It would have been embarrassing. It would have stung. But it wouldn't have bet the farm. So I think that's a good way to maybe balance offense and defense is that you can take these risks. And the bigger the risk, you know, the more time you got to take, the more, you know, the more people you got to consult with, the more you better feel pretty confident about where you're going. I think that's another another thing is evaluating, um, well, one, your risk tolerance. And if you're the in mm -hmm. charge of the company, I think calibrating right. your risk tolerance to everybody else because they individually have their own risk tolerance and they will bring yeah. their risk tolerance to the business. And that's OK, because it's just them being a person. But I think you need, again, have a conversation with them and say, hey, look, I'm not sure where your risk tolerance is. And I'd like to have that conversation and I want to respect that. But I want you to know that this is my risk tolerance and this is the business's risk tolerance. So I need you and I to get calibrated there because otherwise you're going off of your personal risk tolerance and I'm going off of mine. That's another thing I think that is really critical. And then so and then when you uh, the other thing is that if it's not a big risk or if it's a risk that um, it's not irreversible. OK, so it's a small risk. It's not irreversible. Then, I mean, this is, I'm being a little bit dramatic here, overly dramatic, but, but what are we here talking about it then? Go do it. You know, if right. it's relatively right. low risk and we can reverse it, go do it, go try it. That's another yeah. thing I think is we tried a lot of experiments. And if you want to go on offense, try a lot of experiments. I don't just mean just willy nilly, but if you've got a hunch, if you've got a hypothesis and you can shrink it and test it fairly small, and it's again, not, it's, it's reversible, do it. You know, do it yeah. because you're probably going to get an insight there. And then it's always better to come back with an insight that's been that's been actually tested out in the market than it is just yeah. tested in your brain or on a, on a piece of paper. So that's another it, thing I would say is that if it isn't that big, really try to understand, is this that big of a risk? Because occasionally we'll get in conversations in our business and probably everywhere 
where you're just really arguing about something or you're disagreeing or you're having multiple meetings. Of, well, let's schedule another meeting next week to kind of re reassess this. And if you step back, you're kind of like, wait a minute, this isn't that big of a risk at all. This isn't that big yeah. of a deal at all. We'd be a lot better if somebody could just run with their idea, get it out there and, and then come back and be like, you know, here's the insights that we learned. So those would yeah. be some things that I would say uh, just to keep in mind as you're being if you're playing offense and you're trying to um, do things that are ultimately going to lead to new to new growth with the business. The other thing, I guess, in my case personally, and this is probably a family trait, is I think def being defensive or playing defense is important. I don't think it should run the show, but I think it's important. And so I think for me, being very self-aware, hopefully, <laughs> and saying, okay, defense isn't my strong suit. So I'm going to surround yeah. myself with partners or team members that it is their strong suit and yeah. their partners and, and, and team members that get me and get our business really well. And so M3 is one of those partners, for instance. There's other third-party partners that we work with in the building. We, you know, Obviously, there's a lot of lawyers that we work with. In the building, we have a, a, a phenomenal legal team, HR team, finance team. They do a wonderful job. That is their strength. So yeah. they kind of they kind of they kind of man the wall on, on on in those areas, which is something that's not my strength, and and we're very fortunate to have them. Joe, I, I love it. You made so many amazing points there. I just want to sort of restate a couple of them. One, uh, it, one of your points reminded me of the statement that there are very few mistakes to which you cannot recover from, um, and there are some. Right. There are right. some, there are some. Um, but that list is way smaller than sometimes I think we get in our own heads about when we think about innovation and being willing to sort of push our businesses forward. And so I think remembering that I, I think is really important. You also talked about um, uh, a concept from uh, good to great that it reminds me of in terms of firing the small cannonballs before you fire the big one. Yes. And, and and being willing to play small bets before you make make the big one. And uh, it sounds like at Vortex, that's what you guys have done really, really well, is be willing to say, hey, going to put, you know, five bucks over here, five bucks over here. Hey, before we go in and put a hundred bucks on something, we, we're already then going to be more confident that, that it works. And then this last point that you made, how, uh, and it's actually a common theme, Joe, that comes up in these conversations with CEOs. A lot of people that I get a chance to talk to uh, are offense first people, right? They're entrepreneurs there. And, and so uh, that's common, but they all talk about this ability to surround themselves with complementary talent. Um, where Because if you get a room full of uh, Joe, people like you or people like me, uh, we'd be running a million miles an hour with, right? <laughs> or at least yes. I would. And yes. so having people, having people that are around me, they're like, hey, let me ask you some questions. Let's, let's, let's pause and let's think about the implications. But what you said, I think that was really uh, a powerful question when you do that. It's not just assume they're going to be that way because they work in legal or they work. It's let's talk about where is your risk tolerance? Yes. And, and let me tell you where mine is, because that's going to illustrate and illuminate a lot of the conversations we need to have about how we grow the business. I think those are just such such wise uh, points for us to think and about. And I think another thing that I would say, and this is this is going to be a, this might be a little weird. Hopefully people get it. It makes sense in my head, but is. I would say is be very um, be very aware of those relationships and if they're in a good spot or not. And, and so one of the things I say is I just kind of follow the energy. And I know yeah. that that might be very sound mystical and whatnot, but there's some relationships there that, that nobody's wrong. 
no, nobody's uh, good and bad. It's just they don't have the chemistry. And, right. and, and there's other relationships that do. And so when you have those discussions about the calibration, if you're constantly beating you, you're each other are just beating your heads against the wall, you, then it, it's not a good relationship. And, and actually, right. and so to, to, to be upfront from the conversation about the calibration and where you're at, but then having those follow-up conversations um, or awareness to be to say, hey, are these people that you know I've either delegated because it's my weakness or they're a partner, do they really get who right. I am? Do they really get who the business is? And when you find them, hang on to them for you know because because what you're essentially doing is you're you're doing something that's sort of counterintuitive. You're you're deliberately going finding someone who's wired how you're not, right. which. <laughs> so the very fact that they're wired how you're not, you're, you're sort of uh, you're predisposed to sort of headbutt each other. So when right. you find somebody who has those strengths, but you don't headbutt each other, you've got that good chemistry, and it's sort of like WD-40 as opposed to sandpaper, you've got to really make sure that you let them know that you value those relationships. <laughs> That's right. Because That's right. it's just by its very nature, it's very difficult to find. You can find it, though, which again, if you have those situations that are in a really bad spot and it's more sandpaper than WD-40, then you need to have some difficult conversations and potentially get a different partner or, or a different team member. I wouldn't necessarily start there or go there immediately, um, but you know, you've got to get those right because they're so critical and then you don't have to spend all your time spinning wheels in areas that aren't your strength. This has been Fast Break, presented by M3 Elevator where we talk with high-impact business leaders and share strategies that you can use to grow and protect your business. And remember, don't settle for an insurance and benefits agent who only plays defense. You need an advisor, a partner, a friend who helps you play offense too. That's up. Like what you heard? Well, don't forget to subscribe. You'll find bonus content and more episodes at m3ins.com slash m3elevate and anywhere where you find your podcasts. And if you're a business owner or leader with insights to share, give us a shout. We'd love to hear from you. We might even love to have you on the show. This is Fast Break, presented by M3 Elevate. I'm Matt Cranny, and we'll see you next time.